Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Extrospective Podcast with your host Zach Villeneuve Snell. This is a cracker, this one. It's with Alex Demerol, who is a health consultant for entrepreneurs and the founder of Goldilocks, which is a coaching platform aimed at swapping hustle culture for health optimization. In this episode, he shares his troubled journey through the school system and feeling like he was capable of so much more if given the creative freedom to do so. He imparts his wisdom regarding sleep as a foundation, optimizing the circadian rhythm and why deep work and flow state are so underrated. This was an incredible episode full of value and a conversation which I took a lot away from implementing what we discussed into my own life. I hope you take away the same revelations as I did and take action after listening to. Without further ado, Alex Demerol. I don't think people realize just how much of a difference sleep makes if you nail it. If your sleep is not foundation solid, we're wasting our time. People's diets today are atrocious. The shorter the ingredients list, the better. I remember standing in the garage, sweeping the floor and thinking, is this it? That was a big realization as well. Like never trade your health for anything. I got featured in Vogue magazine, but I didn't even get a penny. Watch the crowd. Everybody gets the phone out. Are you really gonna look back on this? Are you actually doing it just to signal to people, look what I'm doing and what you're not doing? They don't care about your attention span. They wanna keep you on that platform as long as possible. Procrastination is normal. You can make it much less likely by removing those temptations that make it easy to procrastinate. Hustle culture is out and health optimization is in. How's it going, mate? Fantastic, mate. How are you, Zach? I couldn't be doing better. Um, I came across your work, actually, from a reel. Someone reposted one of your reels. Didn't credit you, I don't think. And it was all about flow state and sleep. And oh, I was It drawn. went viral. I think I was, that must have been it. Dude, I was so, I was so pissed because they didn't tag me. And it was my own original video that didn't even go viral. And, and somehow they grabbed that reposted it went viral and got all the credits so i someone commented and i and then i dm'd them and said wow. um could you tag the owner please so they tagged me eventually yeah I, I mean fortunately i found you you through that and and since then I've, I've been following your content you post a lot about the importance of sleep as a foundation for health whether that's with sport performance or with you know, entrepreneurs and, and business leaders you know mm-hmm. providing that baseline for them to operate at the best best level that they can um, absolutely we'll get into that a little bit later on but i think it's important as ever to understand you as a person um first and foremost like how have you come to creating this and all the rest of it so if we wind back the years what were you like as a child what was your temperament like <laughs> i was not mate i was not a good uh, not a good kid zach i was very hyperactive very um attention deficit very uh, still kind of to be honest, but uh especially when a child always the naughty kid always wouldn't do his homework a lot of energy, really good at sports today. Um, last, one, last one in the team to give up and all that stuff. But in, in classroom, you couldn't get me to sit down unless it was something artistic or something I genuinely really found interesting, like uh, computers. I would accept that, right? Um, but most most of my childhood was being a little rebel of the outside and, and uh, running around. That was me. And, and what, what do you think you, you picked up on the most from like your, your school environment and maybe your parents? Like how did you form your character gradually that's a good question i never really give it much thought but i would say at the top of my head you learn very quickly you know through trial and error what people do and don't accept both adults and, and children so through that you obviously you form your, your personality of not people pleasing but i learned very quickly like not to cross the boundary what is acceptable what is not and i learned to actually to it's better to befriend people than to you know to have enemies and whatnot so more of a you know keep the peace 
where you can ideally and using using not using friends but having friends is much more advantageous than than not having friends or having the complete opposite so that kind of fell into like being a little bit of the class the class clown as well you know making people laugh also was was a good good way to get friends as well so i think that's that's one thing i learned definitely is is trying to make as much friends as possible i know that in certain studies they show that kids who go to nursery for example from the ages of i know like three, four, two, four, three, four. They have much more of a greater social cycle later on in life just because they get those, you know, those social skills firing them a lot earlier. So, you know, learning that quickly as a kid by trying to you know, be friends with people and whatnot is something I think is a, is a really, really like under underspoken skill, really. You know, we're talking about social, uh, social skills or soft skills. It's something I recognize quite early. You are, you're much more, not powerful, but life is much better when you have connections and a lot of people to reach out to and, and work because what people, you know companies and whatnot they, they, they're not great by and by themselves individually if you split those people out but collectively you know that's when you achieve great things and it's the same with um anything else like with my business as well where we outsource so yeah i guess without driving too far sure. from the question um sure. that's that's one thing i learned definitely i've recognized this now i've stepped into the world of, of full-time work for the year uh, but also in any environment now when I'm reaching out with this, growing this podcast is how important having like a confident, open personality is being able to adapt to different people. Like you say, like with yeah. the socialization at a young age, but when you compare that with a lot of people, you realize that that's not just a universal thing. Like that's a skill that some people have and some people don't. And actually, I think it's one of the most crucial things. I think you can probably put more weight on that than maybe even the skill itself, you know, being yeah. able to work in a team dynamically and deal with conflict in the workplace and for yeah. yourself, you know, clients are coming at it from every single angle of how they are and you're the better equipped. Even more so, mate, unfortunately with today, with phones and social media, we've kind of lost that skill. Like even if you go, if you get directions from some, from, for somewhere, what do you do? You don't search up directions or you don't look up on a map. You use Google maps, right? So you're never asking strangers like, Oh, you know, where's this shop, whatever. And they'll tell you and you have a bit of a conversation. So we've lost those soft skills, but I think they're really, really important for your own, your own personal matters, whether that's business or maybe in this case, business, we use that as a good example. Cause like you referred to being able to build rapport with people, being able to get on with people is hugely, uh, you know, advantageous for myself or all my clients. Like you get a better relationship, you get a better working relationship, right? If if I ha if I'm, you know, pretty good with people and can build quick rapport, the client can trust you a lot more quicker. Um, they're much more likely to do as they're asked. And of course, you know, when you're scaling the business as well, it's always who you know, not what you know as well. So have being able to just talk to people. And unfortunately, like I said, I think people have lost this now in the day and age of social media. But on the flip side, I do think I try to use social media for a positive use in the sense I will uh, literally just DM people on their stories like, hey, cool, cool, um, cool protocol, health protocol you have or like, oh, notice you're in the gym today. What did you train? Just curious, just to have a conversation. And I've actually gotten clients like that, just genuinely being interested and, and having, you know, starting planting that seed and then having it having it naturally blossom into a, a working relationship with no intention of it necessarily being a client, but just through having that kind of organic reach. And I think people mm. have, have just use social media to consume, 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 consume. And then when it comes to, you know, actually being able to produce something like a good working relationship or friendship, we don't really have that because it's just consume, consume. So I think people have unfortunately lost it nowadays with what you were just saying. I think it's uh, it's viewing as a tool, isn't it? You know, you can consume, you can produce, and you can leverage the reach that you have, 
not in a manipulative sense, but no. genuinely because people buy from people, people connect with people. And if you're some corporate entity, as you say, um, you're, ne you're never going to make that personal connection to, exactly. to start off with. So that's that's really interesting to hear how that, how that character was emerging already uh, in the formative years. Your page very much was orientated. I was, I was looking back and it goes as far as back as... Uh, maybe 2020 i'm sure it went back further you probably you probably removed it yeah i had an old account i had an old um, account years but i ago. wanted to ask like how did you how did you find fitness you say you you found that more vocational than maybe sat down in a classroom so yeah i'm not sure whether it was well it probably was partly programmed into me the way action man was you know big buff superman spider-man they all had those physiques right i always just kind of aspired to have that when i was older so when i first got my my very first gym membership like most like most uh, kids at the time I was like 15 um, just went with my friends just kind of messed about had no idea what I was doing and then I, I persisted a little bit with my friends we had a we got those those noob gains as everyone refers to um, which was nice because you as a young kid you're kind of validated in in the in school of being oh, Alex has got muscles now have you seen the size of Alex right so that kind of fueled that extra extrinsically fueled my um, passion you call it for fitness for that for that time being um, so then I took it all the way because obviously I found this thing in school where everyone was like, oh, Alex is there's the jacked guy in school. And it felt good, right? For, for a young lad, like it felt good to have that. So I ran with it and I got obsessed. And back then in 2012, um, there wasn't a lot of reliable information online for fitness. A lot of it was bro science. A lot of it was, there's no solid science in no literature, although it was easy or easily, easily to find or someone who could, you know, report it for you and digest, break it down and digest it. So um, I kind of had to do a lot of trial and error, a lot of bro science, a lot of time wasted. But yeah, that's how I got started, uh, about 15. And then um, I've, well, I've been training now for like 10, I don't know, 12, 13 years. So a long time. And through that time, it first started, the first three to five years were getting as big as physically possible. Um, and over that course as well, just learning as much as I could about it and trying to get like searching the forums and courses and YouTube and everything I could about building muscle, losing fat. Um, and then obviously people are coming to me for advice, right? So alongside that, I was doing, um, I didn't want to go to uni. I didn't feel ready. I, I don't think anyone, like 95% of students at that age didn't have no idea what you want to do, right? So I, I was like, I don't want to make a decision that puts me into three years of paying back a, you know, debt that I don't even really need this degree. So I went to college and I thought, well, what would I do if money wasn't a thing? And I always enjoyed fixing things. I always take, took apart my toys as a kid and tried to put them back together. So I went to go and be a mechanic. So long story short with that, I absolutely hated it. Um, so bad for your health. Like didn't like the hierarchy of a garage. Didn't even like having a boss, pay, apprenticeship. So alongside of that, I was doing my, my fitness right still. And at this time, Instagram had just really started uh, going like popping off. I think it was like 2014. 13, 14, 15, 14, 15. And um, so I was just posting pictures of my my physique very, very initially because I, I did my very first cut. So I, I built a ton of muscle over like five years and then did, did my very first proper cut for like a, a lad's holiday as you do uh, when you're younger, right? Cavos. And um, it went very well. And again, I had a lot of people asking how I did it and whatnot. And I, I put my picture up and then that just got a lot of traction because at 21 at the time, I had like an insane physique, to be honest, for a 21-year-old. Um, so that naturally uh, grabbed a lot of traction. Uh, so I, I seen a, a bit of a gap in the market because as I was posting these pictures and just kind of sharing my journey and my thoughts about fitness and the uh, industry and whatnot, people were asking me, like, do you do coaching? Like, 
can I be coached by you? And I was like, put two and two together. I was like, oh, there's a gap in the market for this. Because it's, I see like you fast forward now to 2022 and it's like um, everyone and their grandma wants to be an online coach. It's, it's so popular. But back then it wasn't really a thing. So I was going to do that. I was actually, I built my website out on Wix. I was, was going to announce it and have my first few clients. Um, but then I got offered this job through Instagram actually uh, for basically social media marketing because they wanted to have an insight of how a young person was growing their profile. And I would come to the company and show them how to kind of run Instagram. Um, but that never really came to fruition like long-term. It was never really a long-term plan. Um, and again, I just didn't like the office antics or the hierarchy of an office and whatnot and having to play up to that. So uh, long story short with that, I quit my job. I quit that job with no real exit plan, got fat and depressed. That was my own vault, self-inflicted, you know? And then uh, one step at a time, built myself back up my physique because we're kind of skipping a lot of chapters here, but I, I developed an eating disorder due to trying some modeling, trying to be really, really skinny. Tried every single diet and protocol under the sun, um, just out of like, you know, for fitness or health. So um, cardio or supplement protocols or keto or carnivore, I've done it all. And then I, I figured, you know, when I, when I got back into the gym and started buffing up a little bit, we, we, I had this opportunity with a group of friends to start a basically a fitness website or subscription based. So you would pay monthly and then get access to videos, articles, everything we would have wanted to bring up, not just your physique, but as a young man, you know, your mindset, how you should articulate yourself in this world. So long story short, I had to leave that for this now that I do today, because this started to take off quite naturally. You know, I had to come to a decision. Do I want to continue doing this? Which to be honest, is a bit of a younger crowd. And now I'm 28. And I want to do my thing and be selfish and, and let this flourish. And I've got a good feeling about it. So I did the latter and uh, here we are today, if, if that's the, the story you wanted from where we started and where we are, very, very roughly. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's like the <clears throat> how the fitness transformed into the business, I suppose. Um, yeah. Rhyme not intended, totally but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to to kind of pick up on the fact that maybe because you were the kind of kid in school who couldn't maybe concentrate as much in the traditional system, and mm. so maybe that authority with bosses and trying to do tedious things with engineering didn't work out. And it's very evident and clear how you've found your way into being like a solopreneur, I suppose you'd, you'd call it, you know, you're, you're elevating yourself, trying to do it all yourself, growing yourself, being your own boss. Yeah. And uh, I think that, that, that pieces it together. So that's one of the questions I was going to ask is obviously how you, how you stumbled into this, but you quite succinctly kind of, Okay. Jump ahead. Spoke through it there. So that's that's really good. So you didn't really have any jobs then. When you came out of uni, sorry, not uni. When you came out of like college, sick form, you didn't go to uni. You just went straight headfirst into into work and just found that it just wasn't working for you. Yeah. What were the, yeah, like, the I, biggest lessons in those moments? Like more specifically. Yeah. Good. Good. Good question, man. So I remember I was in the I was it was a mechanic HGV mechanic specifically. I remember standing in the garage, sweeping the floor and thinking, is this it? Like, is this it for the next minimum five years? Um, you know, for a lot of people, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, doing this day in, day out and just work your way up the hierarchy and get a bit of a pay rise, but a few holidays a year to keep you happy, to keep you content. And I was just like, this is not for me. I, I can't do this. Like just trading my time for money just doesn't make sense. And maybe it was ego, but I thought like, I'm, I'm worth much more than this. Like I know that I have the capacity to do a lot more. I just need to be able to concentrate it in a different avenue. I knew I wasn't a dumb person. I was just, I didn't have 
the right guidance, right? Because I had the, I knew I, I excelled in certain things when I was, you know, when the, when the opportunity was there, when it was right, um, computers or drawing or arts or sports, right? So I just needed to find the right vehicle or medium to do in that. So when I was in that garage, it, that was a, a big lesson for me. It was like, you are not going to get financially free like this. You're not going to be able to, well, for me personally, I was not going to be able to live the life that I wanted to doing this route of just, you know, getting your qualification and earning your time in the trenches and as an apprentice and then working your way up. And then the plan was to go to New Zealand and because there was a lot of money at the time for HGV mechanics, but technicians, um, but it just wasn't worth my health. And that was a, that was a big realization as well. Like never trade your health for anything. Like I was breathing in fumes covered in oil, like nearly lost my leg because it got infected, like long story. Um, I was just, it, and that was just like a really big start reminder. Like don't ever trade your health. It's never worth it. Um, and a lot of these mechanics around me were like, like, what are you doing here? Like, you know, you're young, you know, young, healthy, young lad aspiring and, and you're doing this job. And I was like, yeah, but it's all a means to an end with this technician in New Zealand. But um, yeah, to me, it was a very inefficient way and, and like a dogmatic dated way to, to make a living for me. And that actually also, I would never follow your advice of um, follow your passion. I think that's really bad advice because uh, I did that. I was like, okay, I'm going to follow my passion. My passion is fixing things. If money wasn't an object, I will fix things endlessly. And if no one was looking and I ended up hating and resenting my passion because I made it my job. So instead I would say, don't follow your passion, look for a problem and try to solve it. And through that process, you will learn to enjoy the process of like, now I didn't actually think my passion, I wouldn't even call it a passion, but my, my job right now is helping people optimize their health, right? Primarily entrepreneurs, but I saw a gap in the market with like, it's a genuine problem entrepreneurs are having because they are just slaving away because, you know, if, if it's your baby, it's your business, you're going to be working like 12, 16 hour days as much as you can, right? You'll be burning yourself out because you want this thing to work. So there's, it's a genuine problem. So I'm not passionate about that necessarily, but it's a genuine problem with a gap in the market with a, a genuine solution that I can help people. And, you know, if you're always willing to, I always found that always, always seek to help and you will always kind of get what you want through that, right? So always just doing service of others and going the extra mile. I've, I've learned that as well. But to come back to your original question of the, those lessons in the garage, I think the main one is just um, don't settle for, for, for not average, but um, there's so much more you can do if you remove yourself from that environment. So I think it's called that tall poppy syndrome. So if I ever spoke about my aspirations about perhaps being an online coach or wanting to do more than a mechanic. Well, at the time, I, I wanted to do modeling or something. I did a little bit, but nothing crazy. I got featured in Vogue magazine, but I didn't even get a penny. So I was like, after after that, I was like, I didn't even get a penny for that. So I'm not I'm not doing this. So yeah, I would uh, definitely not definitely not follow your passion and uh, try to look for more of a, a purpose and a problem to to solve. And also, don't have those self limiting beliefs just because everyone else around you has those beliefs. So it's like, like I was saying to you, I lost my point now, but the tall poppy syndrome, if, if you think you're above it, not think you're above everyone else, but if you, if you aspire more than what everyone else thinks is possible, you'll, you'll be ridiculed. You'll be laughed at. And that tall poppy will have its head cut off because it thinks it's, it's perceived as, oh, you think you're better than someone just because you, you want to have this or X, Y, Z, uh, or small town, small town mind syndrome, it can be called as well. So that's that they were the, the big lessons for me in that garage was, uh, you are a product of your environment and it mm. will set your beliefs subconsciously and unconsciously. So by, remo by re removing yourself out of that environment or uh, influencing your environment, including your friends, 
um, where you work. The radio, like I, personally, I don't like having the radio on. I really don't like how it kind of primes you to dread Mondays and like, oh, it's the weekend, let's go. And I, I, I really do believe in that kind of subconscious programming. I didn't like it. So I used to just, I turn it off. Um, I don't want to have that in my life to feel like I should be dreading Mondays because I, I love Mondays. Um, I love working now. now, now. So yeah, they're my, they're my lessons, man, if, if that answers your question. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to pick up on the the con- slightly controversial advice to obviously like not follow your passion. Obviously, I understand from the perspective of, of not getting lost and then stuck without income just from pursuing what you hope. And, and in your way as well, pursuing something that then becomes your work and then you become like you end up resenting. But would yeah. you not say that in your fascination for fixing things, that is also then just transferred to not, not fixing people, but fixing systems within people's lives. So you have almost managed to find the intersection between your passion and the gap in the market. Would you not say that's the case? You could see it from that perspective for sure. You could see patterns emerging of fixing cars and fixing or optimizing people for sure. I, I, I guess you could see that um, irony in that, but uh, it was never obviously intended. And I think I'm not saying don't follow your passion. I'm saying don't follow your passion in the sense that you think it's going to bring you all, all your wildest dreams. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to put food on the table. So you can have your passion on the side and put your put a few eggs in that basket. And if it starts to take off, fantastic, go for it. But um, I think you're, you know, you're living with your head in the clouds if you think, or you're living a delusion if you think that if you always follow your passion, that it will always work out because oftentimes it doesn't. There's a reason why there's memes of people who say like, if you're an artist, it means, oh, actually I, I work at a cafe or something, right? Because you, you've got to put bills, on, you've got to put food on the table, sorry. So um, I think take that with a grain of salt and, and yeah, keep it on the side. And if it's oh, actually I, fantastic. I definitely agree. And it, and it depends on your context as well. You know, if you can, sure. if you can take risk with something that could potentially help people, but then if it fails, you have a, like a family home to pull back on, then fantastic. Go for yeah. it when you're 19, 20, 21, because you're never going to have the the opportunity, opportunity like it. Um, 100%. And I suppose that I also kind of apply that with my aspiration to, to go into clinical psychology. It's like, I want to help people, but also I'm kind of like side hustling with, with this now and trying to develop it alongside other things. So I certainly wouldn't be going full-time on the podcast just because it's my passion, just to you know, no, for I'd sure. fall flat on my face and be able to, to pay the bills. Um, yeah, but I think it's good the way you've you're kind of you know putting your hands in several pots and and through that you're learning to curate your person, your character. So you know I think it's really important in your twenties to try a lot of things, like try as much things as you can, throw shit at a wall, see what sticks, um, and through that you really learn. Okay, what I, what am I good at? What I'm not good at? I do want to do this. You get a better understanding. So um, I think it's I think it's definitely good to have something on the side and. Like you're like what you're doing, kind of venturing in on the side with you know other avenues to uh, to explore like the clinical psychology and whatnot. So that's a good way to do it to get that experiences through the trenches, trial and error. Absolutely. What do you think you've learned the most from your role, uh, like working with clients? Like what are the what are the most common things you see, and how do you address them? Okay, so I would say the biggest one is sleep. Like people think they're sleeping well but i always say that's akin to saying you have money in the bank without checking your balance without you know having checked your balance you don't know to you to you check it right um so if you're not tracking your sleep with something like an oil ring you cannot categorically confirm that you're sleeping well because they don't have to remember it they can wake up throughout the night right unconsciously now that will disturb their sleep in this cycle so i think sleep is a big one 
and that's that's a real problem in this day and age of light bulbs and constant phone usage late at night circadian rhythms all over the place caffeine consumption over reliance on that people are just not sleeping as well and uh, a lot of the clients that come to me for like oh, brain fog or energy and, and whatnot um, or productivity the, the key foundational block is sleep right if we if we get this solid then we can start to layer on the nutrition the routines the, the, the routines for the body and whatnot but if your sleep is not foundationally solid we're wasting our time we first have to have the client acknowledge that their sleep could be better. So if they're self-reporting, like, oh, I sleep good. We don't, we don't need to go into that phase. It's like, well, we do, because if we don't check it, then we, we just don't know. And we need to just have, you know, just write the formal sake of, of saying, you know, we, we definitely, we, we can, our sleep is good. Um, so that is, that is like the biggest one that I found for a lot of our clients is sleep. Another one is that often the case that they have the answers a lot of the times, like they, they know what they need to be doing. It's just implementing it, right? And that's where we come in with this is like, um, people often know the what, they just need help with uh, the implementation of the what. So they know they should be sleeping eight plus hours. They know should be, they should have a consistent bedtime and wake time, um, but they need help implementing that with their, with their jobs or with their relationships, right? So it's just having someone accountable and just having someone to speak to on a week to week basis really helps with that. It's like when, um, we're always really good at giving other people advice. If someone comes to us, like, oh yeah, man, just do this, break it down logically, X, Y, Z, boom. And then when it comes to us following our own advice, we, we have that blind spot. And it's it's just having someone to talk to, to be like, oh yeah, I get it now. Like, oh, it makes sense. Just having someone else relay it to you and speak it for you mm. really just kind of, I don't know why, psychologically helps make you make you helps you stick to the habit helps you implement it right if you've got someone in the corner like checking in with you week to week day to day so i think the other two main ones is that people come from sleep uh, kind of leads on to brain fog as well um i think people's diets today are atrocious uh and even even, even healthy diets are not as good as they could be and we live in a society in which if when we eat out of a restaurant and we say we want like just steak and potatoes or just something healthy people assume that we're on a diet just just because we're eating healthy and it's like no, no, this is, well, when did it change from this being just a normal diet to now being a restrictive or thinking of it in terms of diets, right? Like a, a calorie deficit, it's not the same thing. So we're kind of almost brainwashed to think that just because we're eating healthy, it means that we must be on a diet and we're not happy with our bodies. It's not, you know, the, 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 just a normal baseline of what a normal diet should be, right? Rich and colorful uh, fruit and veg and grass-fed beef uh, and meats and whatnot. So um, I think that is a big one is, is the brain fog, which is related to people's diets. They're just not aware what they're eating. And I always say the golden rule of thumb when it comes to shopping, if you're doing online shopping or anything, just read the ingredients. And the, lo- the shorter the ingredients list, the better for your for your body. When it comes to inflammation, um, these additives that they put in food and the, the chemicals that they spray with it, which actually causes the brain fog, uh, a part in the brain, which is related to the gut. So it all it all comes back to the nutrition and just really trying to eat in accordance with nature of whole food, the least pesticides possible. You can't really get away with it with the way they spray crops, crops, but you know you can you can minimize it, right? So I think that the biggest ones is sleep, the nutrition, and often the case they actually know what they need to be doing. They just need help implementing implementing it. Yeah, yeah, and that was one of the things I was going to ask is because you mentioned quite poignantly there, and it's something that is a universal truth. We can all relate to it. Is the fact that you can give advice and maybe not take your own advice. I've asked you what you've learned from working with clients, but 
At what stage in your sort of fitness endeavors uh, along the way was it that you started to recognize these things in your own life? Was it many years before you began working with clients or was it parallel to it? No, yeah, it was, it was many years before beforehand. I was just thought I was someone like I was just thought I was a big procrastinator. I just thought that's the way my brain is. Like I've labeled it, it's done with it. I have ADHD or I'm just someone that doesn't get things done and I'm more of a physical person. I didn't put it down to the way I was approaching my my day-to-day routines, the way I, I, I you know, I was I was scheduling in undisturbed deep work blocks. I was learning how to actually set up a productivity system so that it could look at what I need to do, how I need to do it, when I need to do it. I wasn't looking deeper into my nutrition. So fitness, they all talk about macronutrients and calories are calorie and blah, blah, blah. And a calorie is not a calorie because the human body is not that simple. Um, But by the time it's gone through your system, how it affects you on a cellular level will affect the ultimate outcome of is that calorie a calorie? You're actually, I think there was a recent study where they found that they had two sandwiches of two part of two groups um and one sandwich was a basically more processed than the other in terms of its additives and whatnot preservatives and they found that that group that ate that sandwich actually moved less as a result they felt a bit more sluggish i can't remember what was i can't remember the mechanism behind it on a cellular level what was going on but basically it was it made them want to move less which obviously then you would move you would burn less calories throughout the day so with the bigger picture of things like is a calorie a calorie for sure when you put it into you know the real world context, so fitness they they don't really go into that that the fitness niche or even health niche they don't really go into that like how is food actually making you feel how is it affecting your gut all these things that people don't think about like food is fuel food is you are quite literally what you eat and if you're having pesticides hormones antibiotics even in foods this is going to accumulate and the, the the awesome thing about the body is it's incredibly resistant and it will actually do a great job of it you know your liver is fantastic but. 20, 30, 40 years later, it's going to catch up with you um, and, and manifest in itself in ugly diseases or other, other ways. So, um, yeah, I think I think nutrition is, is, is massively important when it comes to, um, yeah, all of that. So you were learning those things early on and then you were able to sort of apply. And th- those are things that I've learned as well massively and I'm trying to implement in my life like right now, you know, trying to strip back the, the processed foods. And, and like you say, it's... Uh, it's not something that will affect me today or tomorrow or in five years time, but it will in 20 or 30 years time. And if you get into those habits and like you say, experiment, play around as a young person with what works and what doesn't, then mm. you can get to the stage where someone like yourself has, where you've got a fairly good grasp of gut health and you've got a fairly good grasp of sleeping patterns and what works works for you, right? Um, yeah, for sure. One of the things I've even... sorry, go on. I was just going to say, it's not even about the the long-term effects as well. Like people don't realize how good they could feel until they don't feel that good anymore. So what I mean by that is we've had clients like we put the implementations in of the, the, the diet. So they stop eating foods that causes gassiness or bloatedness. Like it's not normal to feel like that. We've, we've kind of normalized it. Like it's not, it's, it's, it's normal to fart all the time, like not all the time, but every now and again, it's not like that's, that's a sign of gastrointestinal stress um, or something hasn't agreed with you. So once we once we look at the diet and we and we break it down in terms of okay these are the foods that agree with you these are the foods that don't agree with you um, and then we also look at environmental issues when it comes to stress and that can also cause inflammation which can cause brain fog all these factors right we look into it we get them feeling awesome um, but we get them to a point in which they're feeling awesome quite slowly like throughout the the days and the weeks it's not until they stop doing those routines and habits and the nutrition we had a client like say they go traveling 
and they haven't kind of prepped for traveling yet. We have travel protocols, but say they haven't done it. They get back and like, oh man, I was actually feeling so awesome. I didn't even realize until I went back to my old habits. And people are people are walking around like this all the time now. They're like, I don't need to be health optimized. I feel fine. I got my work done. What's the issue? And it's like, it's not like I always say, because we preach about being at peak performance. Uh, and it's like, some people say, well, what's wrong with normal performance? I just want to be normal. And it's like, you've normalized, like we've normalized being sub optimal or subpar. And it's like, peak performance is normal. Like, this is how you're supposed to feel if you live in accordance with nature, with your with your circadian rhythms, with your foods, with your lifestyle, you know, chronic, we live in hustle culture all the time. So I would, yeah, I think it's important to distinguish that. Um, it's not just for the long-term you, you know, thinking about your, your health in the future. It's like, actually, you could be performing better today, but you have that blind spot because you don't have a reference point. It's not until you get that reference point and then go back to eating uh, acting like your previous old self do you realize oh shit i was actually feeling much better when i had this program so um, it creeps up on you these things are you know it's like a frog in a bowl in water eating this way may, may not you know consciously you, you, you self-report that I, I feel fine but it's not until you actually get your shit together and optimize then you realize oh god i was i was actually living like suboptimal like i i, I I can be living much better if I stay on top of it, but obviously that becomes a new baseline. So then you don't really feel it too much, but that's the, that's the better way for sure. Yeah. I suppose we all become so like bedded in with our routines and so used to and comfortable with not necessarily the easy choices, although the easy choices do over time kind of take over if we don't mm. keep, keep a check on it, but just things like sleeping patterns and going on your phone late at night and, spending time in bed doing the emails in the morning working from home all things which are not very good for you but i suppose you, you you're acclimatized to it as you say the body sort of copes and adapts and is very good at that but your overall actual quality of life yeah like you say it's a reference but you don't have the reference point so oh this is just what life is but yeah you you see the outcomes when you when you go to someone like yourself and you kind of work through it and uh yeah it, it's all it's all really yeah. good so why do you think it is that sleep uh, as a foundation, I don't want to say it is ignored because it isn't ignored, but why do you think it's it's not really spoken about as much as like a specific yeah. like push workout that's going to optimize something or, you know, like the so, you know, eating kale and broccoli, superfoods. Yeah. Right? Supplements or uh, detox foods. Are yeah, the ones. yeah. It's all about the right. marginal gains. And people were talking about the marginal gains on six hours of sleep. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny, that isn't it? They 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 look at the marginal gains that like you just correctly put without. Hang on a minute, mate. Your sleep is foundationally shit. Like, let's sort this out first before worrying about even say supplements. Like, people love to go at supplements and they'll spend a ton of money on supplements. And it's like you could have slept, which is also free and even better than the supplements. So um, I think the reason why that is 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 multifaceted. I think number one, I think it's because it's difficult. It's it's difficult to sleep consistently and to do these boring things right i'll say number two as well it's 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 number two is it's kind of it's not sexy to do these things like to be going to bed at 9 p.m and, and and you know not watching netflix with uh your partner or whatever which i do it by the way like i don't live like a monk right there's ways you can you can get around these things circumvent it and i would also say number three is i don't think people realize just how much of a difference sleep makes if you nail it consistently right so people are like oh yeah I sleep eight hours and oh yeah really or likelihood of diseases and blah 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 helps you lose fat but it's not until you really educate yourself on something do you really understand why you should be doing it like with anything right so i could scream at you till i'm red in the face about getting your eight hours but unless i've explained to you in 
in kind of um, layman terms, why you should be sleeping and just how powerful it can be. Like with a story or an analogy, you're like, um, unless I've done that, like you're, you're not going to stick to it. Whereas that's why I try and teach my clients the importance of it um, because it's much more like to stick to the behavior. So by the time we're finished working together, because you've actually internalized that change as a person, to like, no, I actually value sleep now. My values have changed because I understand it. Um, then, you know, you're actually likely to stick to it. I think also, so on a sub, on a very like, shallow uh, level, people do understand sleep, but they don't really like, uh, they, they, they know about sleep, but they don't understand it, right? They know about sleep, but they don't understand just why it's such a, an amazing thing for your brain and body and for your life. So, and that's the three main ways, right? Um, as to why people don't unfortunately get not just quantity of sleep, but quality of sleep as well. Um, they say they say they sleep eight hours, but it's like, yeah, but what's your REM like? What's your R- R- REM uh, sleep like or your deep sleep? Right? You know, what are they like, right? Because um, they are important for how your body recovers. So um, there's much more to it than just getting quantity of sleep. Mm, uh, I think that, that's something which. Uh something you can't throw money at necessarily yeah sure you could get uh like a, i mean i have a garmin phoenix watch which tracks all that stuff heart availability yeah. you have the the ring i can't remember the, the name or a ring but i think for maybe the audience that you speak to with people who have money potentially it's not something you can just do that to it's it's like you've actually got to really address at the root level the habits of, of getting to bed early which is not it's not glamorous, like as you say. It's, no. it's not. It's not sexy. So, and it's something that like, I've admittedly struggled with, and I still struggle with. And it's something I'm trying to work on, which is it's part of the reason why I want to tell you on, you know, because it's it's something that I'm personally so fascinated in trying to get right. Uh, and maybe I speak for for some of the listeners. Some 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 of my mates who might be listening think I was silly in, in second year of uni, but I, I went to the gym every day at six o'clock till seven thirty, and I'd wake up at five thirty, and there'd be loads of days. Where I wouldn't get to bed until, well, get to bed until like 10.30, probably sleeping at 11. So I'm getting like six, maybe seven hours sleep at push. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, once you adapt to it and kind of after a couple of weeks, just beds in, you get used to it. But, <laughs> but actually, it's just from what you're saying, it's just it's just not the case. How, how would you yeah. recommend to me, but also then that applies to, to the wider listeners, how you would set about going and planning an evening routine to yeah. stop the scrolling and oh suddenly it's half 10 and i'm ruining yeah. my blue light <laughs> yeah yeah so first of all as well i just want to mention interestingly when you mentioned that you're getting six seven hours sleep scraping by on that uh, there was a study they found that uh, sleeping less than seven hours for seven consecutive days causes day causes a, a whole day of like an of entire no sleep symptoms of that right symptoms of, of no sleep for a whole day so, and then they also found there's another study where it's like they were sleeping less than six hours a day. These, these, this group of men, um, and they had the testosterone of, of, of much, much lower, right. Of, I think it's like much 10 years younger than them, uh, like pre pre young, young men. So it, hormonally, it really, really affects you. And just understanding that as well is like a real stark reminder to be like, okay, I, I can't be doing this. And also when you mentioned about the screen, so a good one is I think after 11 PM, uh, these blue lights that's emitted from your laptop from your phone has it causes a spike in cortisol um, between the times that if you view it between 11 p.m. and I think 2 a.m. Um, they found that that with teenagers as well this is they think partially that could be related to the you know the the anxiety or the depression that these teenagers are feeling so 
when you, when you put it down in, in rough statistics like that, it, it's a bit more tangible and a bit more impactful. Um, but how would you do that? How, how would you break down an evening routine and a morning routine and to make sure you're going to bed consistently every night? <clears throat> so the first thing to say is there's no template. There are only guidelines or parameters, right? But everybody's different. And what will work for you might not work for the other person. But I always, I'm a big believer in simplicity. Um, simplicity is the best way to make anything stick. If I give you these big elaborate even routine of like, right, you're going to meditate 20 minutes and then you're going to go and do a hot shower and now you're going to read for 10 minutes and then journal, you're not going to stick to it. Although it looks really good for Instagram and you'll see all these people on these reels, they preach about it. And it's funny because although I, I, I do preach about that in moderation, you'll never see me do that all in one day because it's not realistic, right? We do want to watch Netflix. We do want to like, you know, stay out with our partner. Um, we do want to go out on a Friday night, maybe sometimes, right? So it's about learning to integrate it into what is real life. Because what happens is people get discouraged because they, they inevitably, you know, they don't stick to it and they beat themselves up. Like, ah, it doesn't work. So I might as well just throw the baby out with the bathwater. But so I would say find simplicity. So where we would start with a client, um, we always refer to it as syncing the circadian rhythm. So your circadian rhythm is responsible for how alert you are throughout your day and also responsible for other things like exec executive function, decision-making, um, that part of the brain that's associated with your circadian rhythm. So you need to get that in sync. And the two main, two main ways you do that are through light. Um, so in the morning, you want a nice spike of cortisol, right? And you will naturally get that, right? That's what wakes you up, cortisol. You want to start to improve that rise in cortisol by exposing yourself to sunlight within the first, ideally, 60 minutes upon awakening. Uh, natural sunlight is best outside. Uh, sunlight through mirrors um, deflects certain rays of the light that is that is uh, beneficial for us. So you need to be outside for that. Um, just five to 10 minutes. You just need to be outside for nothing crazy. If it's overcast, maybe a little bit longer, 10 to 15 minutes. So that's the first way you want to start syncing your circadian rhythm. The other way is, is melatonin in the evening. So you want to melatonin to do its thing and the way you want to do that is by blocking blue light right so what i do with our, a lot of our clients we kind of we call it biohacking the house so what we do is we get them philips uh red light bulbs or hue bulbs and you can time it so that they after like a certain time when the sun goes down those lights only go red um and you can also get ones that plug in to the ceiling as well uh, um, chargeable if you don't want to kit your whole house out with these uh, Philips hue bulbs because if people have a lot of lights it can be impractical so they're the two main ways we begin to sync the circadian rhythm so I would say to you to okay where do I start just start trying to sync your circadian rhythm so that you're more likely to go, want to go to bed at that time so certain parameters like getting up within like we just mentioned within the first 60 minutes of the day five ten minutes of sunlight you want to ideally be waking up with a sunlight uh, alarm so an alarm that starts to um make the room go brighter uh, around the time that you want to wake up and this is much more of a natural way to come up and will help avoid that morning grogginess if you're waking up mid-sleep cycle because people have the stark alarms which is horrible to wake up to so that's that's the first way i would start it with a client and then the evenings is like hey okay zach now i want to start removing that blue light so if you want to get some blue light blocking glasses you can not everybody sticks to it so the next best thing is to start getting those those few uh, hue phillips light bulbs um and just start thinking in terms of red light as well so you can also set up apps on your laptop on your phone to um only have red light and also turn the, it's also the intensity of the brightness as well so turn down the brightness of your tv as well so if i'm watching netflix uh with my girlfriend you know i put the brightness down a lot i'll, I'll put my red light blocking glasses on because i'm really into it right? but not everyone's into that so the, the the bare minimum least you can do is just put the brightness down just try doing that 
And another one as well is just making it non-negotiable to not be on social media um, past a certain time. Because if you know yourself and you know how social media works, the guys who invented this stuff, they don't care about your attention span. They just, they want to keep you on that platform as long as possible. They don't care about your sleep. They don't care about your goals, right? They're just doing the job. And they have some of the world's smartest psychologists designing these things to make it as addictive as possible. So if you're playing with fire, if you think that, oh, I'll just, I'll just scroll a little bit in bed because I can't sleep. I'll just scroll a little bit. I can't sleep. Um, and then next thing you know, you're in like a Reddit forum, like <laughs> deep into a Reddit forum or like YouTube or something, right? Watching weird memes and you feel terrible and you just can't sleep. So put a parameter in. You can put app blockers in. Um, what I like to do is I don't have my phone in the bedroom. Um, we use our bed for just sleep and sex and that is it. We don't have any TV. We just have our, our red lights. I have a, maybe a book. Um, and that is it. And people often say, no, oh, but I can't sleep when I'm in bed. Like I just can't sleep. I need to do something. The reason you can't sleep is because you began to associate your bed with these dopaminergic behaviors, such as your phone. So it's going to take a while to unwire that or to rewire it to something else. Right. Um, so you essentially want to be very bored when you go to bed if you're not bored your heart rate's too high it's too elevated of course you're not going to want to sleep and what can happen then is like a, a negative feedback loop is because then people are being worried about i can't sleep and then because they're thinking about not being able to sleep it creates a negative feedback loop and then that's they can't fall asleep so the next the, the best thing is to get out of bed and just do something monotonous do something boring like reading a book is really good in that red light um something like that just be very bored um so that's the two ways someone uh, can start really start to improve in the sleep in the mornings like we mentioned and then the evenings basically chilling out relaxing and getting bored and avoiding blue light so i'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a second all, all, all the things you've said there is, is all well and good but as someone who's trying to work full-time job train for triathlon and side hustle with a podcast i need to be spending hours late until 10 p.m grinding away i need to wake up and be grinding I don't have time for sleep. Why, why don't I just yeah. engage in the hustle culture and do more than others? What, what would you say to that response? Yeah, I, w I would say you've got to pick your battles, right? You can have everything. Uh, you can have anything, sorry, but not everything. And especially not at once, right? So um, if you want to do, say, your triathlon training or if you want to do a side hustle, you're going to have to do that maybe on the weekends um, and allocate it for more of the day activities. In the evenings, you're supposed to be asleep. You're not supposed to... The invention of the light bulb was made so that we don't sleep really. If it wasn't for that, you know, we would be quite naturally be falling asleep without these screens and, and lights. So yes, I understand this hustle culture and you want to do well for yourself, but I also remember that the the way you excel in anything is by when we mentioned at the start of this podcast, is by focusing on one point and getting really good at it, right? So if you've if you set up your day so that you have to be going to bed at eleven PM because you feel that need to get things done, then I would say that you're going about it the wrong way or perhaps inefficiently in terms of expending your energy because you only really have about three four hours max of, of focus of being able to deeply focus on something right after that it's a lot of it's just fluff um that's why like people in work and whatnot like, that's what i didn't like about work as well a bit of a segue but people in work they would just needlessly fill meetings and just talk fluff and not actually like focus on the one thing and it's like everybody has time really to to do these things they want to do they just fill it with a lot of fluff so i would say you probably need to we need to look at your weekly routine and, and, and find where we can optimize it so that when it comes to your evening, you've actually got an hour to wind down so that you can actually work better the next day. So you're actually, you'll be actually be a better athlete. You'll be better at work as well if you press up taking that me time and thinking of it as like one step back, 10 steps forward when it comes to sleep. So it's like, think of the opportunity cost as well. So I know it feels like 
you think that I need to be doing this in order to excel to get to where I want, but really it's costing you long term because you're on a subpar level in terms of cognitive performance because your sleep is not as best as it could be. So your sleep is number one, your sleep is non-negotiable and your life needs to be built around that first, right? Not not trying to build your sleep into your current life that you have. And if people say like, oh, but I do shift work. And it's like, well, you have to eventually start trying to look at ways to leave that job because there's a reason why shift work pays a lot of money because you're, you're trading your health for the money. Um, you're not designed to be up at those times. So um, it's I would say it's about people always, if people are really serious as well, they'll find a way. If they're not serious, they'll find an excuse. So you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And if we give these solutions and yet they're still like, oh, but I need to do this. It's like, you don't need to do anything. We're all just kind of killing time. So it's either a priority or it's not. So that's what I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one thing I've just thought of, uh, like mid-conversation there as well, is when you look at uh, individuals kind of going through life like myself, maybe want to be doing more, and you talk about the average sort of like deep work, sort of getting into the, the flow state of being like three or four yeah. hours a day. Do you think it's because in the age of social media, we're obviously presented with the hyper successful individual in each parameter, whether that's Elon Musk in business or I don't know, some other guy, Liver King's physique, or <laughs> whoever that guy is, you know, like we're, those are the, those are the people that naturally rise to the top because they hyper specialize in something which we see. Do you think yeah. then that like someone like Elon Musk has more ability to spend longer periods in deep work or do you think that an individual like on a like a normal guy do you think it's possible or do you think to follow your protocols of of getting enough sleep and just being a bit more focused but doing it less yeah i think elon musk is the exception i think that guy's an alien if we were to actually do an autopsy on him so yeah. i think he's genuinely <laughs> the exception that guy is is a beast right so it's not good to compare yourself to the the exception um, that's not, that's not a, a scapegoat. So compare yourself to, um, you know, the 99%, right. Um, cause that's, what's going to work for you. And, um, I mean, I don't know Elon Musk's sleep, but I'm sure that if you were to prioritize your sleep, you probably would feel better. But, um, I, I think, you know, that doesn't apply to 99% of people. So sure. people will use that as an excuse as well. They use extremes like Steve Jobs and whatnot to, to validate their argument. But it's like, these guys are the ex- exception. And now what we're finding actually like Jeff Bezos and whatnot, these guys openly um, admit that, you know, I prioritize my sleep. My sleep is number one. Um, and you'll find these kind of new age of entrepreneurs as well. And these people who are up and coming, it's now cool to actually start tracking your sleep. Uh, the, the guys who are ahead of the game are the ones who are health optimized. And I do believe in the next 10 years, 20 years, it's going to be a lot more of a norm to be like, well, we get our sleep and um, we're much more uh, aware of, of what's going in our mouths. Um, and our routines and we're not just grinding away in hustle culture so that we can post on our Instagram story that we fucking did X, Y, Z and this, you know, long list of things that nobody really cares about. So I think people are slowly starting to wake up to the fact that if you are health optimized, literally every aspect of your life is better and you actually still do have time to do the things that you want to do. Um, if you've, again, if you set up your life so that you feel like you need to grind away in order to be successful, I would say that's, that's not the right way to live. I think health is number one. If you haven't got health, you haven't got anything. So, um, yeah, Elon Musk is the upset, uh, exception now. Yeah, I, th- I think it's almost like we, <clears throat> it's like finding the middle path because uh, drawing on, mm. on the conversation we've had today and, and thinking about like the different kind of people that I meet and friends and, and, you know, I guess it's different people's like ambition or what they allocate their time to. 
you have some people who I see as there's so much potential and it's just so untapped and they're completely distracted by their phone and there's almost like no ambition. And then you have the extreme other end of people working like 70, 80 hour weeks in like the banking system or like super yeah. high powerful lawyers. And it's, it almost seems like there's no in between. And what you're expressing and promoting is is finding the, the medium for sustainability and health and health as an optimum, yeah. which is, is, is super interesting because I, I feel like I've definitely at times as a young man, like bought into that, you know, grinding and getting my head down, which I don't know, a part of me thinks that like, not that I'm setting up a business, but a part of me thinks that if you were to set up a business in the early years of getting it off the ground, you might potentially have to make unsustainable sacrifices with your sleep. And yeah. then kind of, it's obviously a balance point. Once you get to a point, then trying to yeah. maybe implement your things. Is it, would you say that's a theme that you find with clients like starting off businesses that they kind of really try and grind and what advice do you give in that scenario because i almost think it's necessary yeah yeah definitely i think i think on the surface you would be like that's right and maybe there are i think ultimately it comes down to the way you manage your time and when you're starting out a business like i've started out a business um, you're never going to get it right first time so what you do is rely on brute effort and sheer hard work to get the thing up but if you were to do it again, if you were to ask anyone who's established a business, I'm sure they would say, yeah, working hard is part of the equation, but you also need to work smart. So um, you need to set up your day in a way that I set it up so that um, I get my um, my deep work blocks in in the morning, non-negotiable. I don't have any meetings in the morning at all. Like non no meetings in the morning. Like, it's not happening. You can't book on for it. And I tried to get at least like two 90 minute blocks of deep work in for that morning if i've got that in i know i push the needle forward on my business and i can sleep soundly knowing that you know what we did a good amount of work so then i have i have not the rest of my life but i have a good more a large part of my life left to to build this business and also i also think if it's not working with 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 that input then something in your system is, is not optimized in terms of trying to build that business up relying on brute hard work and all-nighters and caffeine just to build a business Although it can absolutely be done and people will think that's the way, I would say it's a fallacy. I'd say, I'd, I honestly think the new way of building a business is being health optimized because the business prospers long term and you remove yourself as the bottleneck because what will happen is, sure, maybe you can get away with a few you know, um, sleepless nights and whatnot and, and abusing your body. But long term, again, if you're ingraining those habits, um, it's very difficult to change that to think oh, when, you, when the going gets tough, inevitably, you're going to rely on hard work again. It doesn't have to be that way it always comes back to the health number one because you're actually able to work for the for longer at more of an at more of an efficient rate rather than riddled with brain fog and you're still trying to work really hard doesn't make sense right so if someone's sleep deprived in the next day you need to work on the business and now you've got brain fog so you're just you're you're, you're fighting against the tide um and now you actually have to go and take a longer nap or some people like to refer to as catching up on sleep which you can't really do because the sleep debt is not really a thing i mean you can your 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 body will attempt to sleep more, but once the damage is done, the damage is done, so to speak, in your brain. So, um, I think yeah, I think you need to start setting up your life again. It comes to health first, and the, what we will say is with our with our coaching programs, it's like health first, business second, uh, and then we have like equals better business. Um, we found that with every client we've had so far as well. Um, not even business owners, you know, the clients we work with as well. The, um, just people with nine to fives and they find out I'm, like, I'm getting promotion. Like people are noticing my energy and on, on my calls is better and whatnot. I'm better in my words, more articulate. And, and that's all from putting your health first. So um, I get, I understand when people come to me, it's like, oh, work also grind, baby. I'll rest when I'm dead. Um, or like, you know, I need to do that. I, I'm duty bound. But I, I myself as well I get caught up. 
like I'm a workaholic. I love working. And I think, you know, if you can find meaning in your work, that's awesome. Um, but you all, I also need to remind myself and having you know, my, my partner as well, Amy, um, having her to remind me like, look, you need to come and take a break. And, and I, you know, cause do as I say, and not as I do, I still fall for this as well. I'm, I'm not exempt from it because I want to work really hard. I love working. So I understand when clients come to me, it's like a baby and they want to work hard and that's all they do. But you also need to remember that, look, you need to just take a little 10 minute walk. It would, it would, you'll feel much better. I know it feels like you're not being productive, but sometimes being lazy is productive. And sometimes, or maybe a lot of the time, that is the way to push your business forward, to have those new insights and whatnot by just stepping away from the desk for a little bit and being refreshed. So I think hustle culture, hustle culture is out and uh, health optimization is in. That's definitely a trend that I am glad to see and that I am seeing is, is that I don't want to say holistic because that just seems like a, you know, online health coach, like the typical stereotype of a TikToker who doesn't know what they're talking about, but, but a holistic approach to individual context and sustainable performance i suppose if i was going to try and try and sum it up uh, i realized we kind of brushed past the yeah. the deep sleep uh, not the deep sleep the deep work topic which might surprise some of the listeners as to you know you have the traditional nine till five you know you clock in you clock out there's meetings there's work chatter in between what is it that you mean by like deep work and flow state and how can we like maximize that for our outputs yeah so number one when it comes to deep work um and getting into those flow states that everyone refers to <clears throat> is solitude so you need to be undisturbed um for your brain waves after about 15 to 20 minutes of undisturbed work your brain waves uh shift from beta to alpha and that is like that's a genuine uh, I made a video about that and everyone was like, oh, I stopped believing in this when you mentioned beta to alpha. But I'm not referring to like a beta male, alpha male. I'm referring to the, they measure this in um, brainwave readings, right? So that point occurs after about 15 to 20 minutes of undisturbed work, like no notification, no looking out the, the window or something. And you can often attest to this flow state. You, people have had this, right? The easiest way to get into flow state is extreme sports, which is why people love doing it is because you're forced to be present. Otherwise, you know, you're going to fall off a surfboard or you're going to whatever fall off a mountain bike. So people um, can experience this as well through like drawing as well. So for me, if I'm, if I'm editing something, if I'm like today, I've, I've been building my website, uh, doing designing some of that. And I love designing things. I've always enjoyed it time dissolves for me like i'll i'll be editing or doing that and two hours of like boom gone and i'm like where the hell did that go right so that you can you can put that down to to flow states right and the more you can get into flow state that's where you're you're kind of unlock unlocking like untapped potential within your creative uh, your creative faculty right so i would say to people who are who are looking to get into flow states as well you need to start thinking of solitude like where can i go where there's no distractions like noise cancelling headphones coffee shop if needs be right because not everybody has the luxury of being i won't call it luxury but you know has the has the opportunity to be self-employed and to be able to pick their hours maybe you have a normal nine to five that's fine but like things like open open office spaces like the worst because you never get anything done someone comes along and starts talking to you and then talking about whatever and it's you're never going to get any deep meaningful work done and that's where you start to really deep work is where you really you stretch the muscles of your brain your creative outlets right that's where you're starting to stretch yourself and, and learn and, and then re rewire your brain so if you're not tapping into that um you're kind of missing out in terms of what can you really do when it comes to getting things or when it comes to being able to focus on uh, a task right so think solitude um yeah i would always say noise constant noise cancelling headphones 
Um, binaural beats can be very effective for some people. I like to use an app called Endel with our clients. That's E-N-D-E-L. It's free. Um, or brain, brain.fm. A lot of people like to use that. Um, and then set a, a timer. So I like to use an analog timer, but you can use also uh, an app on your laptop. So something about analog is, is really nice and a bit more fun to use, which makes you more likely to do or stick to the task, right? So I like to do like the classic Pomodoro technique, like 30 minutes on, five minutes off, or 50 minutes on, 10, 50 minutes off, whatever, right? So by, by having a set amount of time on a task as well, you make it more likely to get into flow state because just say to yourself, I'm not moving from this desk until, you know, words start coming out on this, on, on this document, right? Until that timer goes down, they can have a break. Eventually your brain, if you don't have your phone next to you, um, you don't have these distractions next to you, you will start to do the difficult task. The reason why people can't get into flow states as well, because it's difficult. And if you notice, whenever you face a difficult situation or task, um, you will want to procrastinate. Procrastination is normal, right? But you can make it much less likely by removing those temptations that make it easy to procrastinate. So the biggest one, again, is your phone. People start actively procrastinating, as we call it. Um, or so what they'll do is like they'll start clearing out their inbox or start making a logo when they don't need to do that, right? It's So you need to set, start thinking of constraints and start keeping yourself accountable of, of what have I actually set up my, up on my to-do list today that I need to get done. And then kind of get into your solitude, get into your zone um, and start to practice that deep work. And the more you do it, the more you set your timer for 13 minutes throughout the week and try to just try to get your deep work in in the mornings, the better you'll get at it. It's like a muscle. So that's what I would say to someone if they're, if they're looking to get into deep work. I think that was your, was, your, was that your question? Yeah, roughly? yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. That was that was a great answer. And I think... It's interesting you mentioned the, the, the Pomodoro timer because it's something that I experimented with when I was like doing my second year exams. And I, yeah. I, I just didn't get on with it, but I think it might have been because it was too short, potentially. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, the way you're describing there with the flow state taking the, the initial 10 to 15 minutes from switching to, to beta to alpha brainwaves is like if I was interrupting it almost every time at the at the point of flow state and then checking my phone for that five minutes is like suddenly a burst of dopamine and yeah. then going back to the task again is that's almost like you're repeatedly making it more and more boring to your brain because each time you're going to your phone so is that something that you'd say like you'd want to increase that that time to like if you can to like you say 50 minutes 60 minutes at a time yeah i would recommend starting off with 30 minutes because honestly people will find that difficult to do with just how distracted they are and also remember that don't be so hard on yourself because like you mentioned if you're continuously going back between your, your phone and your task uh, what you're what's happening there is something called attention residue so you're leaving like a bit of attention on your phone so to speak this is by um, i think his name's cal cal newport like is, has a book called deep work um and they, they've measured this and so the, what they found is that every time you go to switch between tasks or check your phone and then continue to do your deep work you're actually like subconsciously you've left a bit of attention here um, and you've also kind of reset that um, process of, you know, trying to get back into deep work. So again, it just comes back to solitude. And uh, I also, what I do a really good hack. Um, well, I don't have my personal phone in the office. Doesn't come in very, very rarely. Right. Um, what I do have is a boring old iPhone for only client uh, messages. That's it. It's just WhatsApp. There's, there's no apps. There's nothing on here that can distract me with. And my laptop as well. Um, I have, because I love YouTube. I love learning. I love going on YouTube and whatnot and go down a rabbit hole with that. But I also know that I'm human and I will also, again, these things are addictive uh, with recommended videos. So 
putting an app blocker on that and making sure um, I don't necessarily uh, unnecessarily go on YouTube because maybe you need to go on YouTube to search something in so you can have just the search bar. I think uh, if you want that app, it's called. You can get loads, but my, I use DF Tube Distraction Free YouTube. Um, I'm going to make a note. <laughs> yeah honestly it'll change your life mate so it's just again start thinking of constraints to, to to facilitate that solitude and you'll be amazed by how much you can get done and try to do it repeatedly and you'll kind of unlock the potential of your brain so to speak when it comes to getting things done yeah yeah and i find it hilarious to myself as well i'll go on to something with the specific intent to maybe uh send another outreach dm for a podcast or maybe like create another reel for example or post something and i'll I'll go onto the app for that intent and then i'll be like 15 minutes later i would have been like looking through different reels and things and do do you find that something that you still yourself you you get sucked into because obviously with probably more so with yourself your your work and your exposure to clients is on social platforms you know you're creating reels educational reels you know you're creating it but also then once you're on there you're also consuming so yeah yeah, I, I'm I'm not absent from this. I'm human. Like I said, I, I'm not exempt. It happens to me. Even like <clears throat> I need I need material or inspiration for my reels and whatnot. If I'm looking for a song or whatever, or I'm, I'm uploading a reel, or if I have uh, potential uh, people who want to work with me in the in the DMs and we're building that relationship and seeing if we can help them, you end up getting sucked into on the onto that explorer page. So again, um, one of it, like the main thing we've spoken about is setting up the constraints, right? So you can use um, apps that block Instagram, but I genuinely need to use Instagram. So that's an issue. So that that's going to come back to how well can you regulate that or can you govern that for yourself? So what I like to do is um, I will use my phone as I, w- I will actually uh, like schedule out a part of my day um, to use Instagram, right? I'll, I'll put that into my calendar and I won't put it into my deep world blocks because I don't want to fuck up my intention, right? Because next thing I know, I'll be down a rabbit hole of, I'm not, like I said, I'm not exempt. So I'll do that, what we call like shallow work blocks, usually in the afternoon and evenings where you're kind of running out of steam. Um, so we, we, we allocate that in there. Um, so that might be for an hour, maybe two, or split that in between, of course. And that's when I'll do it. And I'll make sure I'll do it um, somewhere where I'm not likely, like I'll never do like lying down in bed. Um, I'll make sure to either do it in the company uh, with, with my partner, um, sat down somewhere, and also set a timer on it as well. So you can set limits, of course, you know, on your phone. You've probably seen that it locks you out of your phone off after being on Instagram for, say, two hours. Um, so I'll be aware of that. And you could also use, like, if I was, say, I want to get back to all my DMs, use that Pomodoro timer. I use that analog timer and be like, okay, I'll just put that on for 20 minutes and get through my DMs as much as possible. So you're putting a, you're putting a constraint on that, right, by, by putting a timer on it and, and just practicing that self-discipline to say look when that time is up you've, you've got to put it down otherwise you, you know how this ends right it ends with you feeling shit about yourself because you can't get off that phone so that really comes down to being able to govern it and, and making it less attractive so just having someone else to keep you accountable really helps well if you're if you're lucky enough to have someone mm. to be like hey, didn't you say you weren't gonna go on your phone for more than two hours like, let's see your screen time what we do with our clients is we said get them to send through their screen time on a week and just having that someone to be like why is this up to eight hours again like why are you on why are you on youtube for seven hours again like oh yeah okay I'll make sure to make it my goal of the week. And next thing you know, they correlate. Uh, I've noticed a direct, direct correlation with someone's lower. The lower someone's screen time is, the better the sleep, the better the cognition, the better the mood, the more things they get done um, just by um, tracking that metric of lowering your screen time. So really important. What's one sort of behavioral change that 
you've made in your life that was the most like challenging? Like, what, what's the most difficult thing you've done to eliminate that you can see the benefits of now, do you think? Uh, one thing I've eliminated in terms like a bad habit, you mean? May, I mean, maybe. I guess, I guess that's what I've asked. But <laughs> I, I just mean generally like the, the biggest thing that you've changed about maybe it's being on your phone late, maybe it's certain yeah. routines or deep work. What's the biggest thing that you've found as being beneficial? I think, it's, I think it comes back to the phone, to be honest, Zach. It really, like, the less I'm on the phone, the better I am in all aspects. Not to demonize phones, like, I think phones are awesome, but again, it's just so difficult to govern because the technology is so new. There's no, there's no one governing this stuff, right? Um, and like you said before, don't rely on discipline or willpower. Willpower is finite. Rely on constraints and, and, and set up your environment so that's more, it's very, very difficult or easier. You want it to be easier to do the difficult thing of a thing that you're, you want to do that you intend to do with your time so i'd say that's the main one is is staying on top of that because if you're not if you're not vigilant you can fall back into just uh spending a lot of time staring down at these phones and people are having like neck problems as well just constant on the phones and um you know you're less sociable uh your social skills kind of go out the window your social anxiety increases uh fear of of missing out you know fomo you have that as well so um, I think just being less on my phone and more present, like um, I went to a festival a few months ago um, with Amy um, and I, I tried, I'm, I always make a conscious effort to like, if you if you go to a festival, go to a music event or any kind of event actually, a street act or whatever, watch the crowd. Everybody gets the phone out and I'm just like, I know it's good to like, you know, you want to maybe look back on this, but really, are you really going to look back on this? Are you actually doing it just to signal to people, look what I'm doing and what you're not doing, Right. So I always try to think like, don't let your ego do that. Like, it triggers me. Enjoy so the much. moment. <laughs> it triggers I, me so much. Yeah. But when, like, when I, I go there and I'm like, <clears throat> the amount of times I did that when I was younger, like 15, 16, and I'd be somewhere and I'd be like out there with my phone. You never look back at that video. And now no. I don't do it. I look at everyone. I'm like, first of all, one of these phones are blocking what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, it's just frustrating. Like people can't can't live in the moment. Like, it's so yeah. annoying. Yeah, so I try and make a conscious effort to not do that. Basically, if you're I'm at, a I'm at a festival and you can see all these flashing lights and everybody's recording, I'm like, you're not going to watch this back. Well, why don't you just enjoy it and just speak about it in a memory, like kind of traditional in that sense? And I think there's a lot to be. We've, we we don't do that anymore, so I think people are a lot less present as a result because they're like I can watch this back. Or so it's just there's more negatives than there are pros. I mean, there's fantastic pros, right? I wouldn't be able to do my business without the phone, but. You need to govern those negatives because they can quite literally wreck your life. I feel like a, a lot of the uh, conclusions that you've come to and what you're sharing is all just doing what was normal maybe 100 or 200 years ago, you know, less screen time, following your circadian rhythm, organic, whole foods where possible, yeah. which, you know, these things wouldn't have had to be things that, that we did in the past. So su super interesting to hear that. What's advice that you'd give to yourself when you were potentially like 10 years ago? And I know you grew up in a different context to what someone your age now would be. Yeah. But what would you say, given the fact that it's maybe they're at uni, maybe you have clubbing, which obviously are social events you want to do that. Obviously, if you do that once a week, that just throws everything out because you've yeah. got four hours of sleep and drunk all the alcohol. Yeah. How do you negotiate that with the social events and things which might conflict with the hypothetical ideal scenario of like 9, 10 p.m. every night? And Yeah. 
how do you contend that yeah i guess it kind of comes this kind of comes to um if you were to live a life in which you were set up to this machine in which it supplied the perfect amount of nutrients and vitamins at the perfect amount of time right the dosage and everything and you got amazing sleep is that really a life no it's not right so on the other end of the spectrum you you know you could just be abusing your body and, and just getting as ma maximizing pleasure minimizing pain um and that's not the right answer so often with these things the answer is in the middle i just find that it's, a, it's very difficult to find that middle with just how uh with, with the way society is nowadays you know with all these distractions and, and alluring things like going out and whatnot and um drinking as well is like quite um especially in the uk it's, it's very normalized to be like um if you don't drink if you if you if you say to someone like oh i'm good i'm not gonna drink tonight like oh what's you you're on you're on uh you know like uh, a whole month of not drinking or have you got an issue or a mental problem or something like people think you have a problem with uh not drinking like alcohol is the only drug that if you avoid if you say no to people that you have an issue with so it's i, I always just say like these things that we, we we preach about like peak performance and sleep and nutrition and putting your health first always ideals to strive towards so if you if you sh fall short of those ideals that doesn't mean you failed it doesn't mean the next day you just give up right and go back to partying or whatever it is or like let the leaves fall where they may and be like oh it doesn't matter you try again the next day right and and and, and you you're strategic strategic about these things so i always like, like i'll go out like i'll go to i went to a festival months ago but i'll, I'll do it strategically so for me i I mean, I'm at this point in my life now where I'm very career focused and like, the thought of going out doesn't even entertain me. I'm like, no, thank you. Like, rather not be so I stood at a bar where I'm all allowed to try and hit on girls and awkward dance moves. Like, it's not it's not for me anymore. So um, I think if you're in that point, though, where you, you, you it's, it's normal to want to enjoy the aspect of your life, go for it, right? But do try to practice moderation uh, where you can. So still at least try to train, you know, try to eat healthy, at least just even though you're getting shit sleep, at least to still be trying to eat healthy right um and if you can i would say pick quality over quantity when it comes to those nights out so i would rather refrain from going out every week or every other week like a lot of people do the same night the same people the same places i would i would rather refrain from that and and, and save myself for a, 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 a kind of a big blowout so to speak so a good music event that we've actually all planned and I'd be happy to sacrifice my sleep for that because it's like, well, that is actually a really good memory that I'm going to take back. You don't remember those nights out every week at, every weekend at uni at the same bar, right? They all get conglomerated into one, right? So it's better to be quality over quantity, I would say to myself if I was younger, like, look, Alex, just save your money, go to this event instead, blow it, go to Amsterdam instead, right? You're, you're much more likely to remember it, enjoy it, um, and actually you get better sleep and, and better health for it as well long term. So it's a win-win in that regard. That's what I would say. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and it, it's funny that the, the question posed is all these people partying and what exactly are they celebrating? Uh, and, and it's almost like when you do delay that a little bit or refrain from the more frequent meaningless or less meaningful experiences and then you have the, the, the trip or the big festival that you want to go to, it's almost like that's the correct way to reward yourself. I don't know what hormonal systems, but you know what I mean? Like if, if you have a drink after you've won a bike race, for example, versus just having drinks all the time, you actually, yeah. it's a more of a healthy, healthy relationship. But that's how, that's how dopamine is supposed to work. Dopamine is supposed to be like effort, then the reward. So yeah. you get more dopamine released in the anticipation of something, but the way, cause like going out or like the phone is the biggest one coming back to that. Like that's just dopamine, dopamine, dopamine without no work. 
So you're wiring your brain to seek out easy, gratifying behaviors. So when it comes to wanting to work hard or do something difficult, build a career or build a business, you're not really going to want to do it because you're so used to having easy things. So that also trains your brain to be like, you know, delaying that gratification, kind of like the marshmallow study uh, with those those kids. I'm sure you've heard about it where they, they followed them up years later and they found that they were more successful as well because they would learn to delay that gratification of saying, look, if you don't have a marshmallow, if you don't have that marshmallow now, you'll get two later, right? And those kids that could, you know, practice that discipline were actually more successful later in life, had a positive knock-on effect. So I, I always try to remember that when I'm, whenever I'm struggling with, you know, short, short-term gain over long-term, I always just think, you know, long-term always, always think long-term because the short-term is just like your monkey, your monkey mind just wants pleasure, just wants to minimize pain, right? Doesn't want to think strategically or think, you know, have, take this meta-analysis view of like actually what is beneficial for me. And actually if we break it down like that, um, refraining from these things and you can still have your cake and eat it, but it just means you're having it, you're going to have to eat it a little bit later, but it's going to taste better as a result. You you mentioned there long-term, what's your long-term ambition and success? What, what would it look like to you? I think, I think, I think take this, this program and this coaching to recognized, uh, like to be like the best, um, go to health optimization program, um, not just for entrepreneurs, but we want to help everyone um, get on get on this bandwagon. Um, so I think just be globally recognized with that within the next three to five years, and 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 make it cool again, make health cool, make make tracking your sleep almost normal, um, and and getting rid, moving away from this hustle culture, and um, starting to you know rid the notion that you have to be trading your health for wealth, and you have to be grinding away, and it's not necessarily the case. So. I think getting that movement more and building a community around that and just leaving and, and yeah, making a legacy for that of uh, just health, health first, business second or everything else second. Because when your health is first, every single aspect of your life is better. So why would you not do it? I know on the surface of things, it doesn't make sense, but it's a fallacy to think that, uh, you know, you need to be trading your health for anything else. I completely agree. And Hopefully, I'll, I'll begin to, to to take more of your advice, which I I feel like somewhere within me, I, I know, but it, it's I need the reminders, I need that accountability and that testing, and I think hopefully, um, not only myself but the listeners can really really benefit from everything you've shared today. Um, if anyone awesome. wants to know more, find out who you are, what you do, would like to get in touch, how can they do so? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram, uh, YouTube as well. We're on YouTube. Um, you just type in my name um, and our website, which will be, maybe, maybe by the time you're posting this, it'll be live, um, is goldilocks.zone. Um, yeah, and you spell that with uh, L-O-X at the end, Goldilocks. Uh, not like traditional Goldilocks. So yeah, goldilocks.zone, that's where you can find me. You can email me that as well, alex at goldilocks.zone uh, or Instagram um, or YouTube and I'll I'll see if I can help you. Perfect. Well, I've managed to just about uh, go into the, the correct time. So thank you very much for your time <laughs> this evening, Alex. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your learnings from your own life and how you've applied that to someone from another. So thanks for the time. My pleasure, Zach. Thanks for having me.